This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All the pretending is just hiding the best part of us. And so, yeah, the, the entire process is accepting that and, and make that flow into equality because that that's what makes you so unique. I mean, self-sabotage is a hard one. You know, I think when things feel like they're too good, I do tend to self-sabotage or I feel that I'm going to self-sabotage. My parents didn't support me when I went to LA because I was in law school in Paris and I dropped everything to go to LA and gather some life perspective. And I was, I remember I would ask a friend every day for $1 to go to Taco Bell to, to get a 99 cent uh, cheesy double beef burrito. And that was my meal of the day. You know, I had nothing. Welcome back to Redefine You, where we have open and honest conversations. I can't wait to dive into the insight through my guest's story today. He's an actor, model, and he's most known as Gabrielle in the Emmy-nominated hit Netflix series, Emily in Paris. And it just so happens he's actually a close friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Luca Bravo. Hi, honey. Hey, thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, it's so good to just see your face. You look gorgeous as ever. Thank you. So do you. So as I like to start, thank you. As we start every episode, I like to check in with my guests. If they were to check in with themselves emotionally, right here, right now, what would Luca find? Um, it's it's an interesting time. I feel like, you know, since everything reopened, um, since the end of quarantine, um, we, we had to jump back into this uh, normality or what it used to be. And um, I think it's been, a, it's, it's been pretty traumatic for all of us. So um, I feel like I've shooting season two was, you know, experimenting what, where people were in their lives and mentally. And now I feel like um, I'm in that phase of adjusting to what life is now. And uh, it's a more intimate uh, it's a more intimate way of feeling things, experimenting things. I'm just, uh, it's its very internal, very contemplative. But I'm good. I mean, hey, here's the thing. We've all gone through a very tough year. And to say the least, me and you have been friends for over 10 years. I met you when I was 15, which is crazy when you think about it. I'm now almost 29. You're what, 33? Like it has been a lifetime of ups and downs and all arounds. And I feel like as our friendship has progressed, we've always been able to speak vulnerably with one another and had this idea that there was this other vibrancy or connection to the universe where we spoke about that in a way that I don't think many people understood. So this past year has brought up so much for so many people when it comes to their mental well-being and their mental health. And I think let's start there. You know, what was that like for you, you know, before you got back to season two, when we were all in this world of the fear of the unknown? It's, you know, I think it's been a a pretty traumatic, like for all of us, because for the first time we had to 
sit inside and and for the ones who were alone like myself and just find out if we were a good roommate to to ourselves and so i i guess i i i had three major phases the first one was really the fear you know we didn't know what hit us and and uh everything was so scary uh felt like we were at war and we even just accepting the reality of we cannot go out of our apartments and like accepting that the world is completely different and how long is it going to be like that the the second phase was full accepting like once the fear was gone uh, accepting just to just to slide you know that the, the world is on hold nothing is moving right now i'm just going to eat what i want to eat i'm not going to watch my weight i'm not going to watch the time or schedule or when i'm supposed to go to bed or not everything is going to be disrupted and then i'm going to get back to my wildest side and uh and enjoy it and without asking questions of why when where and that was that was honestly the best the best moment of my uh quarantine and the the last phase was just you know once i really took time to to be just to be you know uh is i went back into control and uh this discipline and consistency and and started building from this new uh, state of just feeling completely free and just just being you know and uh so the last phase was like going back to work going back to to society and and getting ready to connect with people again where was i in the phase when you facetimed <laughs> and you were like i think you were in phase 2 at this point <laughs> not fa- FaceTimes me, not at my mom's house. I think it was when you were like in bed. I think it was the phase two when you were like, I'm just enjoying my life. I'm enjoying <laughs> food, but I might go on a run tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> I might I go might on a run tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. like, it was definitely the point in the time where I know that you weren't on your sleeping schedule because it was, I think I was here you were over there and it was like really late. And you, I, I remember you saying to me, and I'm not really looking at time. I'm just sort of, you know, all <laughs> over the place. Time, and, yeah. Which is, it's kind of, you know, the beauty is of what I hear is you have for once in your life, probably in somewhere that felt familiar, actually allowed yourself to be free. Cause I know a lot of the times for the audience who's listening probably doesn't know, but you tend to go away into nature to find that freedom and still check out, right? But your way of checking yeah. out is not having connections over social media or, you know, anything that has to do with tech. Um, and I think you probably for the first time felt like you could finally do that in a place that felt familiar to you. And it was like, wow, I didn't know that I could mm-hmm. do this in a place where I actually am used to laying my head. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was quite fascinating to be able to travel um and quite far to be honest uh, but just inside just uh in the comfort of your own house it was like a like being on on mushrooms or something it was i was because <laughs> everything is reduced what you know you everything find? is smaller uh, I, there's i found out that i i had so much more to find you know it's like like socrates said everything i know is that i know nothing so the more you find and then the more days to find you know but it was, of course, you need to travel, and, but it, it really sh- showed me that when you don't have that option, you can find that space 
in the comfort of your little room or wherever you are. It's it's all inside. Home is where you are. But it's it's life life's work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, before you kind of touched on it being a traumatic event, and I want to know if it was a traumatic event having to live with the stillness of yourself or kind of just the surroundings that were happening. I think we all went through a really traumatic event with COVID, right? But I also think that the blessing with COVID is that it allowed us to take more time and effort within our mental well-being and our journey within ourselves. And I know that you have spoken to me a little bit about where you're at now with doing EMDR and kind of that journey that's progressed with you. What, what does that look like for you now? It's, 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 you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's always good to work on yourself. It's uh it's always fascinating because it's for you and um, it's a journey of self-love and uh, working on the traumas and, and all the things that you've been carrying from your childhood, from your education, things that belong to your parents maybe, and they didn't, deal with uh and and you're carrying with yourself and um it is it is quite interesting but it's it's a jump in the past you know in, in order to you know to evolve you have to go back and and speak to your inner child and forgive him tell him it's okay to that that he dealt with things the way he dealt uh that he, he was young that he didn't know that, that it's okay to be just just to be you know to be Young and and there's a lot of things we carry from from childhood that are from that uh, that time and uh, EMDR has, has been a great experience. It was I was uh, seeing a hypnotherapist, but he told me I was too cerebral and I wasn't really responding to uh, hypnosis, which is what, true. What do you mean by that? Um, you know, so what, what exactly there. is M- EMDR for anybody who's sort of listening, what do they do? They, they put you under basically, and they have you do eye movements to go back to your traumatic experiences. It's, it's a bit different than, than hypnosis. Hypnosis, you're supposed to go under, which I was never going. Uh, he, he was doing gestures and telling me that he was raising the frequency. And I was like, uh, no, you're just, uh, just, uh, you know, telling me words and I'm, I'm not, I'm not there. But EMDR, for some reason, he told me I'm I'm cerebral as well, and he worked with me, so I trusted the process. And it's yeah, it's eye movement, and uh, it's hard to describe if you if you if you haven't tried. It's I I wouldn't believe it before I tried. And through the process of eye movement, it be, be, you go down the stairs of your of, of of age of your childhood, and you relieve situations and uh, make peace with some uh, facts, and also you. You change your perspective on things because everything mm. you, all the traumas are, have been experienced through the prism of uh, the child perspective. So now you can go back into that room and and look at things from your adult perspective, which changes a lot of things. You're, you're more yeah. able to forgive and to move on. Do you feel like that trauma still lives within your body today? I think it does. I think, I don't think you can 
completely kill a trauma. I think you you learn to accept it, to live with it, and that it's it's uh, it's okay. It's okay to be it's okay to be fucked up. It's okay to have wounds and scars and and be imperfect and have flaws. And this is what makes us so unique. This is how we connect. Mm-hmm. When for me, when you fall in love with someone, when you you have that you know love at first sight uh, kind of thing, because you you look at someone in the eyes and you you feel it you, you know that there's a connection it's it's traumas it's it's wounds you connect with people at the level of your wounds and uh all the things that society makes you want to erase or hide with masks and armors and all the pretending is just hiding the best part of us and um and so yeah the the, the entire process is accepting that and and make that flow into equality because that that's what makes you so unique well, I think there's beauty in, in our pain and obviously in our struggle. And I think it's a part of our evolution of self. So let's go back a second because we're talking about obviously you doing the work today on your inner child. But let's go back and talk to that inner child and bring that up for a second. So you obviously, you were born in Nice, but then you traveled a lot around because your dad was a football star. So I want to talk to you about how that sort of inflicted on who you are today, having that sense of self, having to always reinvent yourself, go to a new school, go to a new environment. What was that like for you? It was a mixture of, of uh, feeling so grateful and, and lucky to have um, the opportunity to grow a bit faster because I would just see so many places. I think we went to like eight or nine different places, three different countries. And we actually stood there for like two to three years. So you really have time to taking the culture and the language and, and the, the habits and people and the place. And it was, it was honestly such a blessing as a kid to see so much, to see that people think differently everywhere and, and to, to zoom out on, on the microcosm that your life can be when you stay in one place. And at the same time, it was heartbreaking to every time I would uh, find some sort of comfort, I would be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taken out of it and had to, uh, reinvent myself and uh, live with this new guy status everywhere, everywhere I would go. Within that journey of having to kind of reinvent yourself, what did you find out about yourself? You know, were you trying to fit into all the right places or did you really stay true to who you were and your values and your beliefs? Um, I've, I think I was, I was, uh, I, I really became a chameleon. I, seeing so many different dynamics and patterns of people with different faces that they were that, that were repeating themselves i i really learned how to navigate uh group dynamics and and friends and uh and um it was more of a, an orchestration you know it was manipulated mm. more than experienced so i never felt like i i had strong values and principles and i knew who i was because i didn't have like childhood pictures with my friends growing up every year, you know, at school and, yeah. and, and people I've known for, for a long time. So it was always, I, I felt very lonely most of the time, you know, always felt like I didn't belong. I was from, from a place that, that, that didn't exist anymore or something like that. It's, it's a weird feeling growing up, not to have your anchorage, your, 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 your basis. And, um, so it was it, it was a conflict of of being so lucky and at the same time having this curse of of feeling so lonely but i i found some positive in it i i went into 
you know, loneliness is also um, stillness and silence and the opportunity to contemplate and to hear and to listen, to really observe. And, and I, that's, that's what I did most of the time. I like to draw and I, I would, I would just draw things and be in my own bubble. And, and, and I guess it's a, it, it was a part of what the first lockdown was, you know, uh, it, when, when the first lockdown started, if you take out the fear of what's going on uh, outside, I, I felt pretty comfortable in that position. Mm. It reminded me of those years of just being, okay, I'm, I'm here and I'm, uh, I'm my best friend and, uh, now I'm just going to be creative and artistic and, and, and travel through books and, and movies and music. And yes, it's, it's a conflict, which I'm still working on. You talk about this word of being an observer, which I think is such a interesting perspective because now you are in a job to see instead of to be seen. You know, if you're a true actor, you go to see, you don't go to be seen. And I think that's exactly what you did when you were younger. You know, what positives do you see out of being just observer in life and people and patterns and all of the above? I think, well, first of all, in term, in terms of my job, it's, it's, you have to be stimulated by others. You're, you're, you know, people, people are, are what make you uh, better and good and, and how you know, how you observe them and how you pay attention to the little details that make, that make things so real. And uh, th that is, that is a positive point uh, in my job and in, in, in my life. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just organic. I just, I just like to observe. And, and I think when you observe, you also realize that, most of the people uh, on this planet just just need to be heard. At the end of the day, people need to be heard, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who have things to say, but not many people that actually listen. You know, there's so many conversation where you, you you know you're talking to someone, and halfway through your your sentence, the person already thinks about what what she's going to answer or like. Or try to bring that story to herself and 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 talk about herself. And uh, I think it's important to really take time and really hear and connect with the person. I mean, I think that's beautiful. And when I hear you say that, I know that that is important to you. As a friend to you, I know that that's important to you, as to be heard. And I think there's been moments in our friendship where <laughs> I've cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not been a fun one, but in all the best ways possible. But I think as we get older, it's this perception of the values the other person has, where that's installed in them and where that came from. And knowing you so many years, but then also now hearing all of these new things, it just paints such a bigger and better picture for me of everything about you. You know, where do you think <laughs> that your, uh, your values sort of come from? I mean, you talk about before, and I will say that I got this from an interview, thanks to the producer creds, um, but I got this from an interview, you talking about, you know, your idea of what masculinity is and that, you know, your mom is a feminist, which I love and how that sort of influenced that with you. And I'd be curious to know, you know, what your definition of masculinity was sort of growing up. I, I, it was it was a, a pretty special one. Uh, when you're young, you don't really know uh, any any better or or what's going on at, in, at your friend's house. So you, you think that's the normal. 
but my mom was pretty strict on that on that matter. She 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 raised me with that idea that men are kind of disgusting and uh, and gross and, and and it was hard for me to to grow up as a man, uh, whatever that means, uh, but to to find masculinity. But I guess you know it's I discovered in the process that being a man is not being just you know what society paints it to be. It's uh, it's being vulnerable. It's being uh, connected to your feminine side. It's 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 so weird how nowadays you you hear that be a man, be a man, and don't cry and 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 don't watch that and don't. It's it, you know being connected to your feminine side is being connected to heart and being sensitive and 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 being here and uh, telling young kids that they cannot be connected to that is just cutting them off. A, a big part of their personality and uh, turning them into robots, and and it's sad. And and so, I'm I'm kind of glad it was it was hard in a way, but I'm kind of glad because it, it it gave me a um, more um, modern perspective on on what it is to be a man. Well, I have to say this: I think that your your openness to your emotions is what drew me in as a friend to you. And what drew me into understanding that there was so much more behind the layer. And I think that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful lesson for so many people who may not know that there is power in the strength behind your vulnerability. And that's exactly what you have always done. And whether that be through the arts now that you're finally being able to have that relate to another person, that has been a part of you for a very long time. So I think it's wonderful that you're starting to become a role model for masculinity and just being able to showcase there's so many different layers to every single person, no matter if you are a man or a woman, non-binary, you know, the list goes on. It's just about being able to find what emotions mean something to you and how you want to express them. And there's no right or wrong answer. Right. But I think if we go back to this idea of loneliness, it breaks my heart to know that over the years, you know, you haven't felt that sense of community yet. I do think that like traveling into you turning 18, going to LA, I hope that you found a sense of community <laughs> when you came out there with our group of friends and still feel that way. Cause I know that, you know, the people that we've surrounded ourselves with are good people that I feel like are family. And I'm curious to know, sort of, did you finally find that sense of community and family when you went to LA? Cause you got to be there for a bit longer. It's, you know, I was 18 and I, I, my mom was pretty strict, so I couldn't go to parties. I couldn't, I had to go straight from school to to my house when I was done at the end of the day. I couldn't really participate or engage into any, uh, you know, outside activities with my friends. So coming to LA was just, you know, uh, it was a storm. It was a tsunami. I it was, it, all of a sudden I was in this house with two roommates. <laughs> everything was, everything was. Not just uh, any know. house, guys. I was 15 years old and I went over to the Frenchie's house. That's what it was called back in the day. <laughs> the Frenchie's house. Yes. yes. The Frenchie's house. Where, yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> My gosh. That house. Yeah. Oh. So, so I guess I found a sense of community. Yes. I, I found a sense of, I can be who I want to be. Um, and uh, I was surrounded by such amazing people. It was it was hard for me not to fall in love with LA or at least that dynamic. And you were part of them. 
Well, I think travel helped you, right? So traveling, experiencing, being able to get outside of yourself. And I'd be curious to know, you know, what you said to me about LA. I mean, there's so many things, right? There's just, I mean, we could go on a whole rant about what happened in LA and (laughs) your whole life experience as an exploration. But if we really want to pinpoint it, I think the most interesting thing to me is there were actually challenging moments. You know, it wasn't an easy thing for you to be in LA. You were couch surfing, you were figuring out your purpose, yet you were actually probably the most grounded in a place of of less stress and understanding than you were before. So let's dive into that a little bit because I think it's a wonderful place to let people understand that you can be in a challenging position, but sometimes it's just the freedom of allowing yourself to explore that allows you to really dive mm-hmm. in deeper and to feel grounded in you. Yes, it, it really connects with what I said about the, the first phase of quarantine, uh, that phase of accepting accepting what's going on and 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 just rem- remembering that this is life and you're alive and you're you know you're lucky enough to experience it and uh and um nothing was really you know serious uh, my 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 parents didn't support me when i went to la because i was in law school in paris and i dropped everything to just go to la and gather some life perspective and and I was, I remember I would ask a friend every day for $1 to go to Taco Bell to, to get a 99 cent uh, cheesy double beef burrito. And that was my meal of the day. On Beverly Boulevard? Because uh, you lived right off of Swingers? Yes, 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 that one. And uh, and I was, you know, I had nothing. I had nothing. I I, I went once from, from, um, from West Hollywood to the Palisades on sunset walking. It took me like six hours. I, I thought it would be shorter, but I was just so happy. I was just free. I had no imperatives and, uh, and I could have been stressed. I could have been lost. And I, I, but I just chose to experience that adventure. It's easier, I guess, when you were young, I was 18. So, uh, I was up for anything, but it, it, it really stayed with me. The fact that no matter the situation, if you, if you really put your mind at ease and, and accept things for what they are and, uh, and reconnect to how beautiful it is to be here and to, to how, how funny situations can be and how you can talk about it years later and, and, and laugh about it. It's nothing is too serious, I guess. I think those years were a wonderful just exploration for all of us. You know, I think I look back and I'm like, I I wish I could go back into that time and actually just appreciate the days that we all had. (laughs) But we just got to connect and we just got to hang and we just got to be. And I think you take that for granted when you're younger. That's a definite. But what you do, you know, get to learn about those years is there's people along the way that really make an impact. And you've always been that person for me. And, you know, out of, of course, yeah. out of our, you know, group of friends, you've always been that person. And I think it's wonderful to hear kind of the struggles, but the beauty that you've always found within each one of them, and then to kind of see where you are now. So let's tap in a little bit. You know, you had 10 years of a bit of a struggle with your acting career, but it's always been a craft that has made you feel grounded in knowing that the story really leads towards somebody else's pain and purpose. 
you know, Gabriel's obviously given you this amazing platform with Emily in Paris. And I want to know from you the similarities between Gabriel and Luca. How close do you feel like you two are? And how close did that feel when it got presented to the world? It's it's a very interesting question. I, I, actually, um, on paper, he was, you know, the boy next door. And I I didn't want him to be just another boy next door like 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 you have so many and uh I found that this was an opportunity to 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 bring my conviction convictions about um what a man should be so I I gave Gabriel this kind of lost spirit um um old child um connected to his feminine side very vulnerable and and um so I share those with with him and to an extent that sometimes on set I would just you know, when, when, when there's a line that I wouldn't say myself, I would be a little, you know, I, I, I had to remember that it's not me, it's a character. And mm. it's actually, it's, it's, those are the, the hardest parts. And I was talking about it with uh, Lily and, and Ashley who, who found some similarities as well. And it's, it's really hard when it's really close to you because you have to really define the limits between who the character is and who you are and, and so giving him giving him so much of me, I I was expecting when the show came out, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, you know, it's so personal at this point that if I if it's not received well, it's gonna be very personal. And uh yeah. and I hope I'll, I'll have the strength to, you know, uh, accept it. And uh, and so when the show came out, it was it was it was really it was really not what I expected it to be. You know, there's been, we shot in 2019, right before the pandemic and, um, and the show came out at the end of 2020, I think. And so, so there's been an entire year between when we shot and when it came out. And, and by the time it came out, I, I, I was so distanced from it and, and, uh, I kind of forgot what I did and then the dynamics on set. So when it came out, it was like a brand new project and, discovering the world i felt uh, i felt very naked you know and vulnerable and uh, mm -hmm. this this overnight attention uh really uh reconnected me with my imposter syndrome i was like you know i've been i've been working for 10 years and 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 struggling and all of all of a sudden overnight uh, people see me and 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 want to know things and I'm I'm pretty private as well, so it was a lot of things to navigate, and I wasn't really enjoying it. The first week was a bit traumatic. I was I was shooting a movie yeah. in Budapest. Thank God I was away from everything. I felt very protected. Uh, I was so grateful, and it was such a humbling experience. But at the same time, I wanted to hide. I wanted to hide somewhere, and and just uh, just be alone. But you know, it's a uh, it's a. Uh, it's interesting. It's um, everything is consumed nowadays. So it was just one of my castmates. I was I was shooting with Isabelle Pair, and she was telling me it's just waves. It's just waves, and uh, mm. either you surf it, either you you drown. So just uh, there's going to be the next guy. There's going to be the next project, and just right now you're on the wave. Just surf it as as uh, to the best of your abilities, and have fun with it. Like just jump with your surfboard, and 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 then the moment will pass. So. I really tuned in that, you know, state of mind and started having fun with it. 
without feeling that something was waiting for me at the corner, uh, that I didn't deserve it, that uh, uh, I was an imposter. And uh, it, it's it's hard to to connect to that, you know, because my traumas were uh, also here telling me that, you know, um, there's something to sabotage because I don't deserve it. There, that that it's it's not normal that every aspect of your life are good right now, you know, uh, a relationship, friends, a family, job, money. And, and there's always a part of you that tells you that you don't deserve it and that wants to sabotage it and tell you that and, and bring you in the wrong direction. But I, for the first time in my life, I really accepted it. I really accepted that everything was going well in a world where everything was not going well. And, uh, as yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the funny aspect of life. And, um, I mean, self-sabotage is a hard one. You know, I think when things yeah. feel like they're too good, if you're somebody who's like myself, I'll speak on my experience, um, because my entire life, there's always been a challenge that I've had to face and I've had to overcome it. When things are too good, I do tend to self-sabotage or I feel that yeah. I'm going to self-sabotage or I've been to a healer in the past who has said to me that your problem is self-sabotaging. So I understand that feeling of, okay, we're riding this great wave, but is it going to stop? And when it stops, am I going to be prepared for if that was my fault or if that was outside my control, right? So mm -hmm. I, I'm curious to know, you know, do you think your self-sabotaging comes with a sense of your self-worth? Do those two sit in the same boat or do you think they sit separately? I think it's, 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 uh, they're flirting together. It's, it's really, <laughs> it is really imposter syndrome feeling legitimate and, and, uh, it's, it is self-worth, you know, it is, it is your mm. subconscious telling you that you don't deserve it. Because maybe when you were you were a child, you 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 didn't feel legitimate to your celebrations, to your pains, to you didn't find the space, you didn't you you didn't think you were important enough to you know be part of certain conversations, and and I think that stays, you know, that stays, and whenever you're in that situation where you have a voice and uh, uh, people want to know what you have to say, that little kid inside of you tells you, no, you don't you you mm. you have nothing to say and whatever you have to say is not really interesting so so it's it's hard to put that to bed and and just uh accept the fact that you have a voice and 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 people actually want to listen to you but it's it's you know it's what i'm working on and i think a lot of people are are working on because it's what i said earlier you know people want to be heard and uh it's it's really connected to that self esteem that we all have mm. I think of self-worth and I go straight to like looking back at my childhood, at least, and going into a place of the formative years of relationships. I think for me in relationships with men was probably the only place in my life where I think I didn't feel worthy. I didn't have that worth anywhere else in my life, my career, I'm a badass. I knew it. I took that check and I ran with it. You know, like I loved, <laughs> I, I knew my worth. I knew my worth in my profession, but when it came to personal lives and it came to relationships, I think that my worth was probably the one place where I didn't know. 
And I didn't know how to take that power for it. And Mm -hmm. I think that comes probably from my inner child work. And it comes from growing up in a family where I felt I was loved and left at times and not knowing if that was going to be the case if I let somebody in to a full degree. Although I think I did what you said earlier, where was telling everybody the goods now, seeing if they could handle it. And if not, then (laughs) see it tomorrow. Um, Do you feel like in your sort of love relationships, do you think that that has sort of inflicted your inner child work has sort of inflicted on, you know, where you stand with just love and you stand with the people that you bring into your life in that aspect? Yes, I think, I think I, I, I have a pattern of, of emotionally unavailable people. I think when your subconscious knows that you're not worth it, worth of love or a, a, a stable relationship or a partner, it triggers, you know, it. your subconscious always works in, in, in little details. It, it influences mm-hmm. your choices and, and, and the people you meet and how you meet them, but you don't realize it. You feel like you just, you know, connect with the person and, and, and you want to go there, but at the same time, your subconscious is already planning the end of your relationship, you know, um, and, and that's the hardest part. So it's, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna pick someone who's not available, uh, someone who's on paper is here and present and you can have like a long relationship and be happy. But at the end, there's always going to be that, you know, uh, clock ticking for the end of the relationship. And when it happens, you, you're almost ready for it because your subconscious was preparing, was prepared and was like, see, told you, you weren't worth it. Mm. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's also something I'm working on. And, um, it, it, of course it influences my relationships. You know, I think love is the thing that everybody's little get in front of love. Everybody starts shaking and can find it's it's word. It's, it's, it's love, you know, it's the number one energy. So, um, but it's interesting because in that sphere with love is where you grow the most. I think no matter the relationship, no matter how it goes, how it ends, this is where you really understand things. Really, you really grow and, and, and understand your wounds and uh, your scars. And there's no, I don't think there's any bad relationship. I think there's only lessons and, uh, and also being able to recognize when, when you're, you know, being navigated by your patterns and and your traumas and being able to stop a relationship before it becomes toxic, but take the lessons and, and move on and stay friends and, and respect is, is very important. Well, I could just say that I know that you are a bundle of love and, you know, every person that meets you, knows that you just exude love and respect and kindness towards them and you want to be their caretaker and you want to be their protective. So I'm curious to ask you, you know, what does it take for somebody else to be able to make you feel loved and to make you feel seen and to make you feel heard? Because what I hear from that is the emotional, not having emotional intelligence is, or, you know, not being emotionally available is really the fact of, not being able to provide you with the same feelings that you can provide them and feeling safe in just something as simple as love, which should always be sort of that blocking to build off of. Right. So what does, what does that, what does that take? What, what is, what does that look like for you in a perfect world? 
I think for me and for anybody else, it's just the fact that you can show who you are, show your flaws and, and, and really be naked and in front of the person and, and having the person accept who you are and, and also loving those aspects of your personality. And, um, it's not that easy nowadays, you know, because a lot of people fall in love with the promise of, of, of the person with, with what they project on the person, you know, sometimes you, you meet someone and, uh, it's, you know, it's checking all the cases and and you're like, okay, uh, this is, this is as close as it gets to what my idea of a, per, of a perfect partner is. And now I'm going to project on this person all the things that I want him to be. And whenever that person is going to, you know, uh, start living traumas and, and flaws and the person is going to be surprised because there's so much assumption and projection on, on, on that, that poor person to, to start with. So, um, I think, I think it's just acceptation. Just we, we live in a, in a society where there's a lot of, when it's broken, I'll buy a new one. And, uh, I, I really believe in fixing things. I really mm-hmm. believe that time, time creates partnership and, uh, and, you know, through, through all the little things that you you fight against together that's where you create a real partnership that's where you create love but it's nowadays it, you know it's an open hair supermarket they sell you the fact that you can have everything um and uh, so people but i yeah. think that also comes from this idea of both of the inner child work that we've both had because i'm similar to that as well i'm like in it to win it, you know, like let's go through all the different challenges together. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, like you commit, we commit, but I just, I think it's, I think that's, that's probably comes from both of our inner child work though, you know, because we have this sense of understanding that things can be hard, things can be difficult, mm. but you can still love somebody through those hard times and know that you can come out evolving together instead of evolving separately, which is the fear of why people yeah. pretty much leave. Right. So Mm-mm. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the work that you've done with yourself. So you should applaud yourself on your back and say, you know what, it's a beautiful thing that I can love somebody fearlessly and say, even in the hardest moments, I still want to push through, but are you, you know, down for the ride as simply as that's put? Yeah. Yeah. It depends. It depends on the, on the mood. <laughs> it depends on how tired you are, I guess. <laughs> well, I will no, say but this. It's, it's true. It's no, no, go on. No, no, I was, I was just going to say it's, I, you're right. It's just, uh, there's, there's a, of course there's a part of our inner child and everybody's different, but it's also, you know, um, it's the fact that, you know, we, we, as we sell this notion of we can have everything, it's hard for people to commit because choosing something is is just letting go of an infinity of other choices. And uh, people don't want to do that anymore. You know, people don't want to give up all, on all the choices that don't want to commit because they were told since they were born that they can have everything. And that's for me part of the problem. But everybody's different, I guess. Everyone is different. But I think that that's where it's challenging this new idea to have people see that there's not just one book to read. You know, there's not one right way in any relationship. And whether that be your love relationship, your friend relationship, your work relationship, all of the above, there's always going to be different ways in approaching it. 
And this idea of letting go of other possibilities, I think that that's such a silly thing to say because that possibility that you may think that you're letting go of could come back three years, you know, forward and might be just the best time that you've ever had. You know, Mm. it just, it changes with the way that we start to accept our current and our present surroundings. And I think that that's something in which, you know, you're learning to find a beautiful way with especially within the career that you're having now and the life that you're living. Um, But you've always been so connected to who you are. And so I'm going to leave this episode a little bit on just how consciousness comes with struggle. That's something that you have said to me before. And I know that we have a lot of chats as friends where it's all about feeling the feels. Either you tell me to feel them or I tell you to feel them. And it's don't be feel for all of them. Just fucking feel them. So what is, why is that so important to you? And what do you wish you could kind of tell somebody on why it's important to not be fearful of feeling what you're feeling? Because it's life, you know, uh, uh, our, our body is just an instrument that allows us to see the world and, and feel it. And, um, and, and it's important to feel and so it's, you know, you, you cannot, ex- you, you cannot enjoy a certain type of light if you haven't seen how dark it, it, it can get. And, uh, and so, yeah, um, you know, struggle is part of consciousness, of course. And then, and accepting and accepting that struggle, you know, is always a lesson and, and, is, is part of your growth is, is also, is also accepting that you're okay and you're not, uh, you're not alone and, uh, and you're not weird or different because you're struggling because you feel the world the way you feel it. Um, and, and it's quite the opposite actually. And allowing yourself to, to go there, to, to have a shitty day and to feel bad and, and to crawl up in your bed and just, just feel alone and sad and, and, and dirty and, and whatever you want is just, it's just part of life. And the worst thing you can do is just, just trying to be, you know, always show must go on always, you know, they sell you a lot, like always smile, always, you know, be the best version of yourself, but you, you can be, you're just human. And it's, that's the beauty of it. And accepting those little struggles and, and living them, make them, makes them first of all, easier to deal with and, uh, and even shorter. Because when you, it's like putting paint on a, on a wall that's falling, falling apart and you can put as much pain as you want. At some point, the wall will, will fall apart. And it's the same with emotions. It's the same with the, the, the heart, with, with your mind. And, uh, you have to, you have to be true to your emotions when in doubt, just, just be true to yourself. Just listen to your heart. And if you have to feel like shit, just go all the way down till you, you experienced it and this emotion can leave your instrument and make room for another emotion when in doubt feel it out process it validate it (laughs) and move on (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As I leave every episode... 
I want to ask you a few simple questions that make you you. So on the show, we speak so often about building our personalized toolboxes, how it lends to our emotional journey. And I want to know, what did you do the last time you had a flare up or a challenging moment? Um, what helps me the most is, is connecting to nature or uh, taking control. Uh, um, either I escape, but th- that the problem with nature is like, I feel now more and more that it's more escaping the problem. So when I get back, it's still here. So mm-hmm. when I have a challenging problem, I just go into full and self care. Um, I go for a run. Um, I eat really organic food and, uh, read a book and take time and just breathe, you know, disconnect from social media, just just and call that one person that makes you feel good. And it's a, can be a different one every day, but I think it's, it's those little details, you know, um, and whenever something's challenging, you have to just, you know, zoom out and think about what makes you happy and, and take all the little ingredients and put them together. And by the end of the day, it can be, you know, it can be a, a nice meal or, or something you cooked with <laughs> all those ingredients. And that's little by little, you know, mm-hmm. And then lastly, what are the three biggest lessons you've learned in your life? Now, these can be words, feelings, sayings, stories, whatever sort of authentically comes to your mind. Um, The truth always find its way, no matter the story, no matter the lie, no matter the the truth is always, you know, when in doubt, tell the truth. It's, truth you, it you out. Can't mistake with the truth. <laughs> truth it out. <laughs> when in doubt, truth it out. Yeah, I would say also that treating people the way you want to be treated is is the best way to actually um, attract similar energies and uh, you know just respect and consideration and and uh, last but not least, uh, I don't know. I would say I would say love. Just say, just say love. That's it. Because love matters. Just say love. Well, we, we will end there, people. Uh, I'm just going to say <laughs> massive thank you. <laughs> thank you thank for you. sharing your insight, your story, your love, your abundance, all of the above. Thank you. And if anyone would like to connect or continue this conversation with Luca or Lucas Bravo, he can be reached at his Instagram, which is Lucas and Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you for having me. And if you're looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically authentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate you by hearing inspiring stories of ownership to self. To always remember to lead with the three M's, that's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this, and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. It's okay to not be okay in your journey to become grounded in the power of you. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Lafern Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan Dematty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. 
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.